Boo, boo, kids. You're listening to a couple of annoyed, scary grunt boys. This is the 138th Simpsons Podcast. That's right, we're the spooky podcast that discusses the spookiest of all animated sitcoms, The Simpsons, from seasons 11 and beyond, and the new episodes when they air. But when they don't air, we watch old episodes, like this one. Because an entity out there known as the Wheel of Random has cursed us to only watch those episodes, because seasons 1 through 10 have been talked about so much in other podcasts. So we're here to see if those other later seasons like 11 and beyond, and the new ones can match those golden age that we all love and enjoy. And when I say we, I'm just one annoyed grunt boy named Craig, and with me is the other annoyed and spooky annoyed grunt boy, Steve. Hi, Craig. Hello, Steve. We didn't uh, do a spooky intro for the most recent Trios of Horror, so I had to spook it up, okay? That's right. Uh, Boo, boo. (laughs) That sounds like people when they listen to our podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, leave a review. (laughs) <laughs> make it boo-boo. That'd probably make uh, Yogi Bear horny, <laughs> talking about boo-boo. What about that uh, hit reality show, Honey Boo-Boo? Remember her? Oh, yeah. Speaking of horny. She's 74 now, Steve. That's how old that show was. Wow, it really <laughs> makes you think. Yeah, really makes you drink, but not yet, Steve. So let's kind of keep in mind of the holiday season, and one of the biggest Instagram Simpsons influencers, I think, would arguably be the Simpsons man, right? Oh, yeah. So every year... People post to the Simpsons man and everyone votes for the Halloween costume of Simpsons themes. And so if you go up through his uh, Instagram, there sure is a lot of uh, posts this year. Uh, before we get to like the top three, I'm just scrolling down here and uh, I'm looking at some. There's there's some great ones here. You, know, you got your typical family members as, as you know, the Simpsons, which is great. Um, I'm seeing a crazy cat lady. I'm seeing the old... Uh, British hag. Uh, there's some Flanders. Mm-hmm. Flanders is his family. Looks like there's some beatnik ones of his parents. Of course, stupid, sexy Flanders. I like this one here. I don't think I've seen this one. Um, someone dresses Agent Mulder with the FBI and the even using his his body in a speedo. In the yeah. that's great. Uh, I've seen a couple of these now. The from that same episode of the Springfall Files of the Burns glowing in the air. Yeah, there's there's some great ones here. Uh, what are you seeing, Steve? Uh, what do you like in here? Um, I'm really enjoying the gentleman who made the banker whose prices are through the roof. So it's basically him busting out of a house. I think that one's very creative. Mm-hmm. I do like the uh, Mulder one. I like the human fly just because it's obscure. Um, one that I love is somebody dressed as Homer's idea of ballet, which is a bear in a tiny car. Yeah, a lot of crazy cat ladies this year. A lot of stupid, sexy Flanders. Uh, we got a nice Lyle Landley. We got stone cutters. Uh, That's I great. Like the guy, the guy who placed uh, "Please Don't Tell Me How I Live," Lenny. It's great. Superfly Bart. The beer sign from Duff Gardens. So all in all, the great showing this year. You know, just like the classic, like just dressing up as Krusty, I think is great. Uh, Fat Homer, of course. King size Homer is great. A couple people dressed as uh, a King Kodos. It's always cute when. Parents dress the little kids up as Maggie or Bart Lisa. I like that. Uh, this one's cute. Someone dresses Malk. I like that. Um, before we get to the top yeah. three, though, I got to say, I, I still haven't done a Simpsons Halloween costume. And 
I think one of the easier ones to do be like a Lyle Lanley. I like that, but that's also just like the mu- music man. So if you go into like a bar, like a costume contest, like, oh, you the music man? <laughs> You're like, no, I'm Lyle Lanley. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I gotta say some some costumes, as much as I love them, I think we need to retire some Simpsons costumes for Halloween. And it's nothing against the people that dressed as this. I, they're all great, but I feel like I've seen them ad nauseum. And for instance, look, I like a sexy lady, Steve. I'm not going to lie, but uh, I guess the sexy Flanders, stupid sexy Flanders is a little overplayed now. Yeah, I'll agree with that. What about you? I think the uh, Florida bad costume, I think is a little overplayed. Mm -hmm. Also, I think kind of like just doing like lazy Homer sometimes where you're just like, I'm just wearing a polo shirt and blue jeans. Well, you know, maybe some more effort, I would hope. Yeah, the swim goggles as eyes too, I think. It's a novel idea, but I think it's been done enough. But again, we're not uh, crapping on anyone's Simpsons costumes. They're they're all just fun, and it's, it, hopefully they're listeners of ours. That's all I care about. Yeah. But we're going to go and look at the top three that the, the people voted as uh, the favorites here. And uh, Steve, what do we got for number three? Uh, classic uh, Bart versus Australia. We have the judge and the butt kicker with the giant boot. I don't think I've seen... I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah. I don't think I've seen uh, that ever uh, as a costume. They did so well of doing the the flag. Like, incorporating the flag is great. Just finding the giant boot must have been a challenge. So, kudos to them for that. Yeah, it looks like a giant... Like, it's not like paper mache or anything. Huh. Classic creative. It's like a real boot. Yeah. I think that would be a good costume for us to wear. But, of course, we could never wear... We have to wear something from seasons 11 and beyond. Uh, number two... We got most family feedback costume, and she's got the uh, the shirt, the apron, uh, the French fries, and the sparklers. I like that. That that's a good costume. Have have we seen this costume before? Like people put I don't this think one. I have really. Yeah, I think it's creative. I think it's great. Also, she's probably the hit of the party because she's got French fries. Everybody loves French fries. Yeah. I'm assuming like she's probably number one in your book right now because of the French fries. I do love me some French fries. So yeah. Although you know. She's probably not portraying it like screen accurate with the uh, the burning oil. So they're probably like lukewarm fries. So I don't really like a lukewarm fry. <laughs> yeah. French fries are one of my favorite foods, but they do have like the worst carry life. Like bad fry is a bad fry. We've talked about how like French fries, when you get them delivered, aren't as good. You know, I just went to like in and out recently and then went in and ordered food and got my French fries. Even like fresh in and out French fries still suck. I cannot agree more. <laughs> and then number one, Steve, what do we got for number one? Number one, we have, from a treehouse of horror, appropriately, uh, we have the gremlin on the side of the bus holding uh, Ned's head. The gremlin itself looks great. It's like a over-the-head mask, like a onesie. But also the paper mache Ned with the uh, the guts hanging out is just really well done. I think this is... A well-deserved win for this person. I could not agree more. It's Halloween. This Trios of Horror. It's a classic Trios of Horror. The bout of time the person put into the Ned head, which they have a picture from like a screen cap, it like just looks so good. Even like the pupils are like in the right position. This yeah, it's very creative in the right season. I I agree. I think this is number one. I I like the uh, the Australian guys, but but you're right. I think it has to be Trios of Horror. That's that's. That does it for me. I think some honorable mentions, though, like I like the Duff beer garden 
Stein, I think is great too, because a lot of creativity went into that and a lot of, looks like duct tape, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. really creative. I also really liked, uh, there's um, Barney and Yoko Ono from the Four Tops episode. That one's really well done. Oh no, I think this is one of the more creative, creative years for a lot of the Simpsons cosplay. I agree, yeah. Halloween. Uh, good stuff. Good stuff all around. Well, Steve, let's toast the winner of the Simpsons Man's Treehouse of Horror contest. It's um, Emily Hall Illustrations, I guess, was the uh, post of this. Also, did Emily win first place last year? I'm looking at their, their submissions. She got Mr. Burns and Homer's head, the paper shade of Burns' head attached. Oh, yeah, that one was classic. All right, well, Emily... I hope you're a listener of this podcast because uh, you done great again. So let's, let's good job, Emily. Let's toast to Emily, um, Steve. I think we need to do a proper toast by going to one of our favorite segments. That's right. It's time for the Simpsons Beer Corner. Now a little beer music to get in the mood. All right, Steve, what are you drinking this spooky episode? Well, Craig, in this first segment that we have, uh, Lenny is gigantic. And also, you know, Springfield is inspired by Portland, and Portland's known for being weird. (laughs) And uh, one of the weird things that we have is this old mayor that we had in the 80s named Bud Clark, who uh, helped revolutionize our recycling program and our public transit. And he was just all around a champion of the people. So that's why I have from Gigantic Brewing, Weird Portland United, the Bud Clark Coffee Stout. And so, known as a champion of alternative transportation, public art, and Oregon beer, Bud Clark cemented Portland's reputation as fiercely independent and a little weird. This stout, brewed with robust Kova Kova coffee, reflects Bud's love of strong coffee and dark beer. Proceeds from this weird-tastic series of beers are donated to the Weird Portland United, a nonprofit that supports the artistic risk-takers that make our city weirdly wonderful. Whoop, whoop. Which was, uh, whoop, whoop was Bud Clark's uh, catchphrase. Um, so this is a coffee stout uh, from Kova Coffee and Gigantic Brewing. Comes in at 6.2%, so nothing too intense. What a fun... it into a glass. Yeah, what a... What, well, Steve takes a sip. Bud Clark, what a fun name. Like, it sounds like you should be like a rural mayor. Like, I'm Bud Clark, and I'm going to clean up this town. Was uh, Bud Clark... That's right. ...a fan of your dad? Or maybe the opposite. <laughs> I think they're fans of each other, yes. Okay. Uh, no, my dad loved Bud Clark. Um, I probably know him so well because my dad wouldn't shut the fuck up about <laughs> it. Uh, what about Fran Drescher? Does you like, did your dad like Fran Drescher? I think he did. He's like, that broad with the voice <laughs> got a nice rack. Well, not my dad at all. <laughs> Was your dad Frank Sinatra? <laughs> he probably punched Frank Sinatra at some point. <laughs> I don't know why I brought up Fran Drescher. Maybe she's in this episode uh, but, later. But uh, Steve, how is it? Maybe. Uh, it's really good. Uh, so Kova Coffee is a local roaster here in Portland, and they make some great coffee, and it really comes through. I've had a lot of coffee stouts in my day because coffee and beer are two of my favorite things in the world. And sometimes it can be a little, the body can be a little thin, but this is thick-bodied, has a nice potent coffee flavor, but you still get that chocolatey uh, stout flavor. Um, and it being 6.2%, it makes for an easy-drinking but enjoyable beer. Uh, this is a winner for me, so I like it. Uh, what have you got for us, Craig? Well, Steve, this is a trios of horror. That being said, I thought of, uh, hmm, what about India? Is India represented in this episode? And they weren't. So I figured, 
India will be represented on this podcast. But to relate to the episode, there's a nice. on the on the on the label, there's a spaceman, and so there's a World of Worlds parody at the end. So that's why I went with uh, Maka Goa. It's a Goa uh, uh, honey ale from our friends at uh, Goa India, uh, imported in Linwood, Washington, Steve. So it is a product of India. Know your craft. Honey ale was the first beer ever brewed in the White House by an American president, bringing the flavor of the woods and the freshness of honey to the presidential brew house. Each sip, you feel the spring in the air, the buzz of the bees. I don't want to feel the buzz of the bees in my mouth. <laughs> no, that would hurt. Yeah, I'm afraid if the bee bites me, my bottom will get big. <laughs> Anyways, and subtle sweetness, which adds a twist to our amber ale, layered and smooth. The wild honey for this ale is sourced in the majestic Jim Corbett National Park. So let's just say ale mm. to the blithe spirit. We have a 22 IBUs. EBC is 28. Steve, what's an EBC? Uh, English better uh, EBC. I don't know. Well, let me find out. Um, I, I'll stick with English. So English better come. English better come? I think it's English better come. Yeah. All right. So it's, there's ah, some British. There's 28 English British comes in it. Um, the alcohol content is 7.2%. All right. Well, Steve looks up what EBC actually means is I'm going to pour this. Uh, the ingredients, look at this. Water, malted barley, wild honey, hops, yeast, barley, wheat. Batch number H8008. This company is doing it right. Like, they're just giving me all the information. I love it. Let's open it up, though. So the EBC, while you're pouring that out, the EBC is the European Brewing Convention, and it's the uh, measurement to uh, rate the color intensity. The higher the EBC, the darker the beer. No, I like a European British cum or whatever I said. Excellent British cum. Yeah. Excellent British cum. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. Hello, Governor. That's some EBC you got there. <laughs> it's a little darker amber. It looks like honey, like there's honey in it, like kind of like a viscous look to it. And it smells, yeah, weedy, but a sweetness there. Hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah, this is amazing. It's like- It sounds amazing. Like when I have like, you know, my- uh, my Belgian ales, it's like someone just put a little bit of honey in there. And Ooh, delightful. even the aftertaste doesn't have that yeasty aftertaste. It has a sweet honey aftertaste. This is an amazing beer. I highly recommend this. Wow. That was incredible. This is really good. Where did I even get this beer? I'm assuming I got it uh, at, a, at a place that sells beer. Yeah, probably. And more. Yeah. 100% recommend this honey ale. You think it's going to be like really super sweet? It's not. But it's like the right amount of sweet. I yeah recommend this uh, full heartedly. I mean, full heartedly. I'm, I'm assuming that since it's uh, imported here in the states, product of India, you probably could get it most places in your specialty uh, probably, yeah. shops across the country. So, and not just a Portland-based ale, which which we reviewed a lot of. And this is um, yeah, highly recommended. All right, Steve, I'm gonna finish this uh, and then take a nap, I guess. <laughs> But before we do that, let's just okay. get on with this week's episode. Steve, let's talk about the year that time forgot, 2006. Yeah. A mere a mere 10 years before America is great again. That's right. <laughs> Steve, we're going to November 5th, 2006. What was the number one movie in the box office during this time period? Well, I wasn't uh, married when I saw it, but if I did, I'd probably see it with my wife. That's right. It's uh, Borat. 
And then a mere 10, 11 years later, we'll see a man that we all loved at this time time period, 2006, Rudy Giuliani, trying to sleep with Barat's daughter in the sequel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not his real daughter, of course, an actress. <laughs> I mean, That's Rudy Gian- Giuliani is not Barat's daughter that we know of. <laughs> yeah, I love that we know of. I probably haven't watched the first Borat in a long time, but yeah, here we are. Yeah, I don't. I it probably holds up. Sure, maybe. While we were laughing about uh, two men wrestling while being nearly naked, what uh, what were we listening to? Steve, it's ludicrous. I know it is. It's a silly movie. But what were we listening to at the time? No, I would say the song is ludicrous. I don't care how crazy it is. I just want to know what it is. Steve, it's ludicrous, featuring Pharrell. Oh. Well, you can't uh, yes and me on this? It is crazy. <laughs> it is ludicrous that Pharrell has such a great career. All right. No, it's not. He's great. He's a genius. Okay, thanks. It's Moneymaker by Ludacris featuring Pharrell. Shake your money maker like somebody about to pay you. I see you on my radar. Don't you act like you were afraid of shit. You know I got it. If you want to come get it, stand next to this money like, hey, hey, hey. Shake your money maker like somebody about to pay you. Don't worry about them haters. Keep your nose up in the air. Steve, I have an interesting trivia fact about this song. Okay. It's never been used once in a strip club. Wow. <laughs> Do you think Ludacris was like, I'm just going to make a song for strippers. And that's it. <laughs> I would, wouldn't would surprise me. He seems to be a fan of the <laughs> uh, stripping arts. Yeah. They were probably at a strip club like, God, I'm so sick of hearing pour some sugar on me. We need a new song. Ludacris <laughs> is like, I'll get to work, boys, gentlemen. Excuse me. Well, I go write this song. <laughs> and he does like the little twirly around his head, like the tips of the cap. Yeah. I know how mm-hmm. I know how these artists work, Steve. That's right. Um, I like Ludacris a lot, and I really like Pharrell as a producer. So this is a this is a hit for me. All right, we've reviewed it, and that's it, Steve. That's right. just to get on with this week's episode. Okay, we're going to the all right horror house of trees, specifically the seventeenth treehouse of horror, in which we got three segments. Get this, Steve. The first one oh boy. is Homer turns into a rampaging blob after eating green goo from outer space. Segment two, Bart brings to life a golem. It's a creature from the Jewish space laser folks lores, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then oh, we got segment three. It's a parody of that one classic, War of the Worlds, in which a fake radio broadcast commits the Springfield residents that there's an alien invasion. Alright, Steve, let's... uh finish these wonderful beers and then come back and discuss the trios of Horror 17. Ooh, sounds like a plan. We'll be right back. Today we're talking about Treehouse of Horror 17. It's the fourth episode of the 18th season, originally aired November 5th, 2006, 
It's episode 382 in the show's run. The Nerd Kudos HABF17, written by Peter Gaffney, directed by David Tubitron Silverman, and Malicious Matthew C. Vaughn. Showrunner is Al, July 27, 2007, Gene. Steve, that's a reference to the Simpsons movie release date. Nice. Wow, we're, we're like a few months out until the Simpsons movie. I'm excited, Steve. How about you? Oh, I, I think it's going to be great. I hope I get to see some penis. <laughs> well, you are my date, after all. Oh, boy. <laughs> Can't wait to get some popcorn. That, that was the mindset of November 5th, I'm assuming. Oh, yeah. Or you were probably like more excited because your birthday's coming up. You're like, well, I sure hope I get some Tinker Toys and Cabbage Patch dolls. I don't know. Sure. Can't wait to turn 26. <laughs> <laughs> ah, probably thinking like, oh, turning 26. Well, my life's over. I'm an adult now. <laughs> Never could get older than this. Yep, it doesn't get any better or worse than this. I'm 26 and I don't have my life put together now. I must be, something's wrong with me. That's that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Uh, to be in a coffee shop. <laughs> Drinking every night. Yeah. <sighs> well, uh, <laughs> freelancer Peter Gaffney has written two episodes of The Simpsons. This one and from season 22, Homer Scissorhands, in which Homer becomes a barber, I think. Um, he also has uh, written for the MTV Music Awards, Married with Children, Beavis and a Butthead. He was a senior story editor for the first five seasons of Nickelodeon's Rugrats, which he won an Emmy and the coveted Jewish Telev Image Awards. Which, of course, Steve and I have won that many times. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've got them uh, all on my mantle next to my yarmulke, <laughs> or next to my menorah. He also co-created, ah, Real Monsters. And he was a writer for the animated series Aeon Flux. And he was also a story editor on the Starship Troopers animated series, as well as the animated series for Jumanji. And uh, one day he hopes to have his own blog. <laughs> was this from his wiki? Yes, it was. That's hilarious. Which was probably written in 2006. It's funny because he said that he, his career spans over a decade. <laughs> and this was written probably, yeah, probably 20 years ago. Well, I learned something from this. Uh, there was a Jumanji cartoon series. Yeah, I have a weird, vague memory of that with a real ugly animation, kind of like McDonald's ads from the mid-90s, like that kind of style animation. Did uh, Dan Castelletta provide the voice of the uh, character that uh, Robin Williams played in Jumanji? I'm sure he did, yeah. <laughs> and then also, there was a Starship Troopers like cartoon series. That I had no idea. Was this like for kids or was it aimed to like an adult animation? I mean, obviously you had no idea. So why am I asking this question? You're going to answer me right now anyway. Uh, I would assume that it's, um, I was right about the animation for Jumanji. That is just, uh, do you ever, are you familiar with like the show The Wild Thornberries? Yes. It looks like that. Okay. On a scale of a uh, crappy is Crapopolis to the Jumanji animated series. What's, what's animation is worse? I would say Crapopolis is worse, but this is maybe uglier. Oh, but yeah. it's like got its own personality. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. Yeah, there is the Rob Williams character. Surprise. Uh, played by uh, Bill Fakerbach, better known as Patrick Starr to most people, but to you and I, Craig, known as Dauber. Yeah, from uh, the series Coach. Of course. I remember like a few years ago, they said that Coach was coming back. I know, and we were all excited. Uh, yeah, you and I were the only ones who were excited. But now it's like why it didn't happen. But now it's like the perfect time since now Night Court's back, Frasier's back, Quantum Leap is back. Like all these shows from the '90s are back. It's like mm -hmm. Coach was like, uh, we're not ready yet. Like I think he was even before the whole 
Will and Grace revival, the Mad About You revivals. Yeah. And I think it's centered around, uh, it was supposed to be around, of course, his kid was a coach, and then he comes in to, honestly, kind of just sounds like the Frasier reboot. It's <laughs> <laughs> like he used to live with his son. He was probably perfectly fine without him, but butts in. They're like, well, Luther Van Dyke's the funniest part, and he passed away, so he's not going to be in coach. It's so much like the new Frasier reboot, like John Mahoney was like probably the best character, but, you know, he passed away. Right. And you know you, um, you can't I'll... you can't do a che- Cheers reboot because the character Rebecca, you know, Christy Alley's dead. Right, of course. I mean, she was the whole. She was the best character. Yeah, yeah. She was. Well, she was the, a character, Steve. Yeah, she was a character. Um, I, I'm looking also at the uh, Starship Trooper animated series. Uh, it's uh, CGI animated very badly, but the second build is Bill Fuckerbach. so he's also in that. Did you say Fuckerbach? Fagerbachy, whatever. His name hey, is. Jesus. I imagine that the cartoon series was for kids, right? And like, yeah, just, I think so. I think the people that like Starship Troopers, unironically, are the same people that don't understand like um, Nazis. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like Starship Troopers is you know it was like written like what the fifties, the book, but it's an allegory for Nazi propaganda, right? And the bugs are not the bad guys. Right, right. Great. We're the bad guys. Or, yes, yes. Humans. The humans are the bad guys. Yes. Right. Trying to think of like another television show or movie where people just like a... I am thinking of The Matrix or Fight Club, kind of. Oh, where good one. The point is that, well, for The Fight Club is he's secretly gay, and The Fight Club is about transitioning, and I feel like the audience members who are like red-pilled or whatever... Don't exactly get that. Yeah. I, I think the more recent, the, the Joker movie, when people like relate yeah. to Joker, it's like, no, that's not the point. Right. I haven't watched it in a long time. It's a good film, though. I think it's just ahead of its time. Like, people didn't yeah. get it. Right, right, right. And then you, I, yeah, I know they made sequels, but I think it's to the point where, like, they made it like it's a good thing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, we're not here to talk about other TV shows. We would never do that. On this podcast, we'll talk about The Simpsons. So since we're, um, I see you're 45 minutes in before we start the episode. Uh, all right. So have we ever <laughs> done any uh, episodes that, uh, besides this one, Peter Gaffney, I guess this is the only one. We There is an episode coming up, Homer Scissors Hands, uh, which I believe you said. So, you know, looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. When we talk about season 22. Excited for season 22, Steve. Yeah. Should we just do all season 22 for a bit? Well... If we want to lose listeners, then yes. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> Don't have many to lose, so. <laughs> nope. No, they all they all left when we uh, denounced Trump. <laughs> Look, Steve, let's just get in with this week's episode, okay? This is just uh, Trios of Horror. We're here for the season. I took down my Christmas decorations and put up my Halloween ones just for this episode. Of course. It's, so we entered the mansion of C. Montgomery Burns, and the POV shot enters the Grand Estate passing a hang skeleton in a suit holding a March of Dimes coffee mug. And we continue to a secret passageway behind a bookcase down a set of circular stairs. And the person holding the camera then falls down, lands on the ground. As they get up, he walks down a corridor and opens the door. <gasps> Inside, there's a coffin, which slowly opens it. And then a nest of mice crawl out. Scary. Followed by a pit of snakes. Oh, man. I hope, I hope that's not Indiana Jones there. I know. And then a cluster of spiders. I hope Peter Parker's not there. Mm-hmm. And then finally, 
fluffy bunnies, which I hope uh, this is a very deep cut for Buffy the Vampire Slayer fans. I sure hope Anya is not there. Oh, oh. Because if you watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Anya is afraid of bunnies. Okay. There's got to be some Buffy fans on this, listen to this podcast, right? I want to say I've seen Kate offer some uh, Buffy stuff, but I could be wrong. But yeah, I could see a, a crossover. Yeah. Well, that one's for you, Kate. Well, behind the menagerie of animals is Burns as the Crypt Keeper. Hello, boils and ghouls. I am the Crypt Keeper. Or should I say, master of scaremonies? <laughs> <laughs> Priceless, sir. You made the word ceremonies frightening. I know what I did. <laughs> hey, can we get going here? Listening to you two is more torture than a torture. <laughs> Actually, no, this is worse. <laughs> Although the uh, the right nipple spike seems a little dull. <laughs> ah, ah, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, that's barbaric. Whoa, look at that. My blood's a genius. Fancy Roman numerals and everything. As Mo mentioned, his fancy blood oozes out of the Iron Maiden onto the ground to spell out the words, Treehouse of Horror 17. Uh, now, Craig, did you ever watch uh, the old uh, Tales from the Crypt? Of course. Yeah, it's a great show. Not religiously, but like, you know, when it was on and I could get away with like watching it as a kid. Definitely. Yeah, I think it premiered on HBO, but I didn't have HBO as a kid. So I remember like after SNL, maybe even after Kids in the Hall, it would be on like late at night and I would watch it and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, because we didn't have HBO, but when we traveled and stayed at hotels, we stayed at hotels that had HBO, you know, hotels that advertise we have HBO. (laughs) Right. And I just remember as a kid, an episode just vividly stuck in my head because it was creepy and it was um, Bobcat Goldwaith was a ventriloquist <laughs> and uh, his hand actually had like a conjoined twin on it. Oh. So like he just, you know, dressed it up as a ventriloquist dummy. But yeah, it was, I just remember being really creeped out by that. And then like my dad, like, hey, you know that guy in Police Academy that they think is funny with all the voices? That's him. I'm like, that doesn't sound like him. What is he doing? You mean he's not that same character from Police Academy? But no, now Bobcat Goldwith is just a, a well-respected uh, director <laughs> now. Yeah. Directed like most of the, what, the first like 20 years of Jimmy Kimmel's show? Yeah. And uh, a lot of good movies like God Bless America is a very good movie. Yeah. And he doesn't do that character voice anymore because it hurts him. Okay. But Marge can do it. So <laughs> why can't you, Bobcat? So in that clip, we had Mo. Uh, locked in an Iron Maiden, which is like a almost like a chamber with spikes in it that impales you. But uh, despite its reputation as a medieval instrument of torture, there's no actual evidence of Iron Maidens being around before the 19th century. It's mostly a hoax, although there are reports of a Spartan tyrant Nabus using a similar device around 200 BC for extortion and murder. And then there's another person, Ibn al-Zayat, who said to create a wooden-like chest that had iron spikes for torture, and he was ironically uh, executed using that in 1847, or 847, rather, B.C., A.D. So there's your Iron Maiden facts of the day. And uh, Trooper's a very good song. I feel like if you told Trump that the Iron Maiden wasn't real and he was president again, he would make it real. Yeah, that'd be his campaign <laughs> promise. <laughs> make America great again and make Iron Maidens real. <laughs> I thought they were real. I mean, uh, they showed it in History of the World Part 1 during the Spanish Inquisition. Does it mean Mel Brooks was lying to me? Maybe he was. 
I also remember, like, as a kid, being in Victoria, Canada, at, like, a wax museum and seeing, like, an Iron Maiden with wax figures in it. Oh, wow. I just remember, like, vividly as a brutal. kid. Yeah, there was, like, this whole, like, dungeon torture, like, macabre thing in a uh, in a wax museum. Yikes. And I was, like, you know, eight years old. <laughs> like, the hell? Fucking Canadians. That's kind of scary. <laughs> yeah. I was really bad at the hotel. Like Jay Fox and uh... <laughs> Ryan Reynolds was there, only like ten years old at the time because he's not that older than <laughs> us. But I just remember like the hotel we stayed in, and I was like, "Fucking Canada!" I'm like a kid, he's eight years old, and the pool. You know, like most pools I stayed in had like stairs, and like it started off like two feet deep, and then kept going deeper. Right? No, this fucking pool like was just six feet deep all the way around. What? Yeah. I'm like, that's nah. Canadians, get your shit together, all right? What are you doing, Canada? Yeah. Sure, you may have health care and a better government and uh, calmer people and less guns and less violence and uh, better everything, but what are you doing with your swimming pools and your bags of milk? Yeah, and I was going to say, at least our president was never blackface for Halloween, but then I'm thinking, <laughs> eh, with Biden's age, he probably yeah. was like, I think he opened for uh, Al Jolson back in the 30s. <laughs> the new malarkey called the jazz singer. <laughs> uh, anyway, Steve, let's go to our first frightening fable entitled Married to the Blob. It begins, as most scary stories do, with Homer and Marge getting to first base there on a hammock in the backyard. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so as they kiss, Marge sees a shooting star soaring through the air. Homer, horny and eager to uh, continue the hanky-panky, hopefully getting to... Second base, maybe? Maybe. Uh, yeah. He says uh, he could just check it out later. Yeah. It'll still be there, right? The shooting star. Although with the amount of time when you say to someone, like, oh my God, a shooting star, and you turn, it's going to be gone anyway. So what are you going to do? Right. Marge? It's so fast. Yeah. Anyway, so just then an asteroid comes crashing down in front of them, cutting off Marge's beehive and nearly tearing her head off, as she says. So Homer feels that uh, this is an excuse for Marge not to make out. Uh, so uh, Bart and Lisa run out to see the commotion, and as the family surrounds around the space rock, it splits open to reveal a glowing neon ball of goo. Homer picks it up with a stick, assuming it is a space marshmallow. Uh, he attempts to eat it, but the goo climbs down the stick. As the mysterious substance tries to avoid Homer's mouth, Lisa urges him not to eat it as it may show them the secrets of interstellar travel. Homer responds that if it's so smart, why can't it stay out of its mouth before slurping up a glowing mound of mystery? That's what uh, I said about uh, Stephen Hawking right before he died. I'm saying I ate him. Right, right. And he might have the secrets in her continental travel, too. So I let you know it didn't work. In fact, Aww. I'm a lot dumber for the fact that I just did that. <laughs> Much like your listeners who listen <laughs> to this podcast, they leave a little bit dumber. You're welcome. I was just thinking of that scene in uh, Billy Madison when he's like giving the speech oh, at yeah. the end. Yeah. <laughs> The prince was like, we are all so much dumber for listening to that. It made no sense. Uh, I don't know the last time I watched Billy Madison. Probably like 15 years ago. Yeah, it's been a minute. It's a good one. I mean, I think we were always in the camp that we like Billy Madison over Happy Gilmore, but ma majority of people like Happy Gilmore over Billy Madison. I think so, yeah. And let's be honest, that's the only two uh, like post. I, I mean, I liked Wedding Singer. I think it's cute. Romantic. Yes. It's fun. Yeah. I never saw Righteous Gem. Not that Gem. Uh, I've watched Righteous Gemstones. What's the the Uncut Gems? I never saw that. Stressful. I never saw Punch Drunk Love or Spanglish, which were like not his normal ones. 
I like Punch Drunk Love a lot. I think 50 First Dates was like kind of cute, right? That was okay. I think him and Drew Barrymore yeah, was I fine together. Yeah, I've never seen Click, just because I'm jealous because that was my idea first. Yeah, no one has ever thought of a remote control of time, Stephen. Tell you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> my original idea ever. I remember we were like last week texting me like, I got this idea. All right. It's three guys who investigate ghosts and they figure out how to trap ghosts and they start a business. And I said, Steve, that existed in 2016 and they were girls. No one's going to watch a boy oh, Ghostbusters. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Steve Homer's got that green goo moving around about his mouth. Very fun animation too. Then Homer swallows it. Marge cannot believe he ate it. Not even knowing what galaxy was from. I always say that too. Don't eat something unless you know if it's from the Milky Way. You don't want anything from the Andromeda galaxy. Trust me. Oh, no. Because it's not kosher, Steve. Right. Yeah. But the Milky Way is delicious and full of caramel and nougat, so. Yes. <laughs> when you were a dumb kid, did you think, why would they name the galaxy after a candy bar? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Or did... Where's the Butterfinger galaxy? <laughs> Oh, it just slipped through God's hands. <laughs> Get it? Nobody better lay a finger on my finger. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Do the Simpsons live in the Butterfinger galaxy? Maybe they do. Before the Milky Way. Butter's yellow. Their skin is yellow. And they did ads for Butterfingers. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, Homer says what's done is done, and the goose seeps out of his nose. With all of his might, Homer stores the goo back up inside himself. It then pours back out of his nose, as well as his ears and his mouth. He brings it all back inside of his body, saying that if he could keep Arby's down, he could keep this down. Oh, there's an Arby's joke, Steve. Mm-hmm. Saw a commercial for Arby's promoting Good Burger 2. Oh, yeah. Where all the other like, specific burger chains, like, I don't want it to promote that, so Arby's will. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I was confused by that. I know that they had the, like, Wagyu burger promotion, like, a few months back, but when I think of Arby's, I don't really think of burgers. I mean, they have the meats, but I think of, like, deli meats. Yeah. Huh. Could be like if uh, there was a Taco Bell movie, but the sponsor was KFC. Right. Which is fine, because they're owned by Yum Brands. Yeah. Which would be kind of funny, actually. <laughs> <laughs> like, April Fool's Day, Yum Brands should just, like, piss people off. So, like, when you go to KFC, it's only Taco Bell items. And then, <laughs> I mean, I guess, like, there is KFC Taco Bell combos out there. Yeah. Anyways, later that evening, Homer is wakened by some insatiable hunger. Must eat, then poop, then eat some more, then eat while pooping. Still hungry. Dad? Let me have a lick at you. You won't eat my stuffed peppers, but you'll eat our son? Nag, nag, nag. Is that the cat? Uh, no, just guess. Homer sure does love to eat some pussy, Steve. <laughs> you know, when I was watching that, I, uh... I thought, wow, he's really cruel to that cat, beating it with a prank pan. But then it's like, wait, you already ate him, so it doesn't matter. And alive, too. I feel bad. I know. Like, eating Bart, that's fine, but... Yeah, you don't want to eat your pet cat. No. 
and get a hairball. Although, would you either re- eat your cat or the uh, stuffed peppers I made for you? Ugh. Ugh. Probably the cat. Your stuffed peppers, no good. Are you, are you not a fan of stuffed peppers? So, most people always use green peppers, and I don't like green bell peppers. Maybe if you use a red bell pepper, it'd be better. I just feel like green bell peppers are, like, not ripe yet, and so they're not good. Hmm. Yeah, it's just, what, ground meat with rice? Mm-hmm. Tomato. And a pepper? Yeah. 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 It's fine. Yeah, they're, they're kind of disappointing. I feel like when people make them, they're excited to, like, present them to you, and then you have them, like, eh, it's okay. And then you feel like right. a jerk, but, like, it's like, eh, whatever. <laughs> no peppers for us. Um, I like that clip in the beginning, too, because it says what I always say, must eat, must poop, must <laughs> eat some more, and then poop, and then eat while pooping. All right, well, hopefully you don't do that. That's uh, pretty gross. I know. But the second part's fine. Sure. But eating, gross. I don't think I've ever done number two while also masticating. You said masticating? <laughs> Is that the proper way when you say jerking off? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> No, to say like eating while it's jerking off. I mean, sure, we've all done that. <laughs> you got some popcorn in your hand. You got something else in your hand. <laughs> Steve with the popcorn references and jerking off. This whole episode. Steve, did she go to the movie theaters and see Wish this weekend? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, you were the one. You're welcome, Pixar. <laughs> <laughs> now I think, like, think the most that's ever happened to me is like I'm chewing and then I'm like, oh, I gotta go number two real quick, and then like. The last few bites get into the bathroom, but that's probably the most. Yeah. Bad. Yeah. Yeah. And even then I'm like, this is gross. What am I doing? And I was like, clearly there's something wrong with this food. I shouldn't be eating. <laughs> right. If it's making you poop that quickly. <laughs> yeah. Look, I like my steaks medium rare. Just like I like my chicken medium rare. <laughs> if it's pink, there is no steak. <laughs> uh, so Homer, still hungry, takes to the streets of Springfield for more sustenance. He finds a beach full of teenagers who look delicious. At first, he's hesitant, as today's teens have enough problems as it is, without him eating them. But then they engage in a barbecue sauce fight, and Homer is intrigued. Uh, So, Squeaky Voice Teen is uh, shot with a splatter sauce and falls into a campfire. So, he screams in agony, saying that the flames are sealing in his juices. Homer shouts, I'll savor you, which is his second food pun. He he said to Bart, uh, pun as well. Um... So he takes a bite of the teen's back as the other kids look on in horror. Homer enjoys the extroverted flavor, uh, swallowing the teen whole as uh, Squeaky Voice Teen begs that Homer tell his friends that he died kissing a girl. <laughs> when you die, I'm, that's going to be your eulogy. Thank you. He died, but at least he kissed a girl. <laughs> I don't know why you're dying before me, Steve. I'm dying before you. I don't know. When... I just uh, did my blood pressure and, uh... oh boy, yeah. Steve, when the doctor took your blood pressure, he's like, Mr. Annoyed Grumpy Steve, uh, why is this just gravy? <laughs> kind of, actually. I'd say, well, I'll just say that if you cut the number in half, I'd be a healthy individual. So what do you have to cut back on? Uh, Probably vegetables. Uh, wine. Yeah, cut back on the vegetables. All right. Yeah. And uh, exercising. You don't want to get your blood pumping, right? Right, right. right. More beer. So no exercise. Yeah. Uh, I just thought that that whole scene was just hilarious with barbecue <laughs> sauce bite landing on the campfire. This is a shot of him getting hit by the sauce so hard that it makes him fall into a fire. It's very <laughs> funny. We should have a barbecue sauce fight uh, this summer. That's, that sounds like fun. <laughs> just know, like, uh, Carolina. Is it Carolina that has, is the 
high vinegar based one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that might sting a little bit. Right, if you have any open wounds or anything. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so now an even larger Homer continues his quest for more food, passing by an Oktoberfest celebration. He sees the uh, beer battered Germans and begins to nosh on the lederhosen wearing of them goers. One eating German asks, What has their nation ever done to deserve this? And the other is just like, uh, Looks at him. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then they just disintegrate in Homer's stomach. They're talking about uh, Germany, like liking David Hasselhoff, right? That's the no, most exactly. horrible thing they've ever done. Yeah. As far as I remember. I, there's nothing else. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> uh, well, Homer is determined to eat more fat people. And luckily for him, he's in America. <laughs> as Homer eats and grows, Sir Mixalot wraps a new edition of their classic one hit wonder. I like big guts and I cannot lie. Double chins with the chafing thighs. When a dude walks in with the hanging jowls, my stomach starts to growl. I'm getting hungry, so I masticate, chomping on the overweight. I eat fat people for days, like potato chips by Lay's. Try to eat just one, but it can't be done. I've got to eat a ton. Baby likes fat. Baby likes fat. It's a good natured uh, parody of his own song. I mean, he is a one-hit wonder, right? Uh, what about the hit Put Him on the Glass? Oh, he's a one-hit wonder. But uh, um, Seattle, right? Yeah, I remember that he... I remember reading about him working with the presidents of the United States of America on a project that I never found out about. But I was kind of excited about it because... Uh, yeah, I, I would be excited too. Because I thought they were a great band, and he was a lot of fun. I know. So... Well, let's let's name the the band presidents of the United States uh, on drums. I believe it was Carter, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, bass, uh, Ronnie Reagan. <laughs> they had saxophone. Mm-hmm. Old Slicky Dicky Billy Willie himself, Bill Clinton. Right. Had Nixon Richard... was the lead singer, of course. <laughs> Lump saddle load. Yet, uh, triangle was George W. Bush. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's all they could give him. Right. And he also had a flute in his nose, too. <laughs> of course, uh, Jimmy Carter wrote the hit Peaches because he's from Georgia. <laughs> and rhythm guitar, or lead guitar, was uh, Barack Obama. Oh, yeah. And uh, uh, what's so... the oldest instrument known to mankind? Uh, I mean, probably the drums, but... Well, I'm just trying to think of something very old-timey that uh, Biden would play. Oh, yeah, he played the, uh, the sousaphone. No, that's not old enough. Yeah. It used to be like, like a harp or a, a oh, a, a, a lyre. No, there you go. A, a lute or something. <laughs> and uh, Trump played the skin flute. Oh, TP tape. <laughs> oh, Steve, in that clip, uh, Homer ate uh, Fat Tony. Comic book guy. Several umpires attending ump school. The cast of the Facts of Life at Iranian Tour, which is... A little cruel, but okay. Not all umpires are fat either, Steve. It's true. Um, and several large men in a Hawaiian shirt store. So <laughs> we know they're fat party animals and not gay guys. That's right. But Homer, now a giant blob, sports an Aloha shirt saying that he used to think that they were just for fat slobs and gay guys. Uh, meanwhile, the rest of the Simpsons family watch on TV as Kemp Rockman reports about blob rule on the streets of Springfield. As the police shoot at Homer, the town is also being attacked by a 50-foot Lenny who feels left out due to uh, all the attention that Homer's getting. But luckily for Lenny, Invisible Carl still likes him and cares about him. Do you think that was in post they had to say Invisible Lenny? Because if you look, he's holding his hand 
And do you think the animators actually forgot to put Carl, Carl in, in on Lenny's hand? Yeah. And so like in post, like, oh, they forgot to animate Carl. And so they just went back and said, oh, just say <laughs> invisible Carl. It's possible. Um, that's what it is. Yeah. The uh, the notes that I saw seem to reference the invisible woman, but I don't I don't think so. I think you're right. I think it was just a mistake. Yeah, yeah. And it's a lot a lot cheaper to edit the voice than go back and edit the animated thing. So right, <laughs> it's funnier for some reason. I mean, it was they're just like, oh, because probably just to say thanks, Carl, or whatever. I like you too. <laughs> nah. Well, sometimes Steve accidents can be the funniest thing ever. So my parents always told me. Just look. <laughs> yes. <laughs> About your siblings who are funnier than you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, Homer rips open the roof of a bus and begins eating the passengers as if they were chocolates in a Whitman sampler. Homer picks up Ned Flanders, who offers a friendly hideo blabberino, and then Homer just bites his head off. <laughs> then a familiar voice tries to offer some firm, if grossly unqualified, advice. Homer? Hmm? I need to talk to you. <gasps> Dr. Phil McGraw! You've got a weight problem, and you know it. You're right. Starting tomorrow, no bread before dinner. Homer, don't sell me an outhouse and tell me it's the Taj Mahal. Yeah, Homer, stop doing that. It's time to open up a can of honesty. You're thinking about eating me right now, aren't you? Aren't you? That's ridiculous talking fudge. Homer, your family's here. And you gotta help me, help them, help you, help me, help you. Marge, I missed you. All this eating has put me in the mood for a little loving. I have to be honest with you. I can't love a 4,000 ton cannibal. What happened to for better or for worse? Dad, you're eating Dr. Phil. It's amazing. He tastes just like Jeffrey Tambor. <laughs> does not equal love. Can I just say, I think my favorite joke, when Dr. Phil says, Homer, don't sell me an outhouse and call it the Taj Mahal. And then we can come in and be, yeah, Homer, stop doing that. Like, <laughs> the fact that Homer keeps trying to sell Wiggum an outhouse, calling it the Taj Mahal. There's just something really funny about that joke in the delivery. Yeah, it's really funny. I kind of love it. Um, this is like at the height of Dr. Phil being like, a, a thing, like a well-respected doctor on Oprah or whatever. I'll watch Frasier, like the old Frasier reruns ad nauseum, and there's an episode where he, Dr. Phil, is on it, and everyone is gaga over Dr. Phil. So it's probably around the same time that this came yeah, out. Or yeah. no, well, a few years prior, obviously. But, like, yeah, the world loved Dr. Phil. I, I never got it, but look, I think we've come to the conclusion that Oprah has just been uh, selling us snake oil salesman this whole time. Like, Dr. Phil, mm -hmm. he's a hack, right? Yeah. Dr. Oz, Dr. Oz. another hack. Uh, so anyone that, like, Oprah's supported, um, Barack Obama, <laughs> Gail King, she's not even a real king. No. Stedman and his various things he does. Yeah. <laughs> and the rest. Um, I like that they compared uh, Dr. Phil to Jeffrey Tambor. And Who's also like, now canceled. <laughs> right. I was going to say, both of them now are kind of canceled. Yeah. Also, I want to say, maybe not when this episode aired, but does the whole joke, let me help you, help me, help you, help me, help you, like, I kind of feel like that might belong in joke jail. What uh, was that originated from? I want to say Jerry Maguire. That's what I want to say, too. 
the great uh, Russell Crowe directed, no, Cameron Crowe directed film. Yeah, with uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. in that one role. That oh, he's canceled too. Yeah, that's right. Everyone from that movie's canceled, especially Jonathan Libnicki. Oh, yeah. Is he still like fire. seven years old? I think so, yeah. Or is he aged? He probably hosts a Simpsons podcast. What a loser. Probably. <laughs> Jerry Maguire was just a factory of quotes. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, it just, it was a movie that made pop culture quotes. Yeah. Like, show me the money. Uh, let me help you help you, that that thing. You had uh, me at hello. Yeah. It was just all sound bites. That whole movie was just like, I'm going to, let's go see Russell Crowe. Camera Crowe's just like, I'm going to make a sound bite movie. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's still, is that a good movie? Objectively, you, is that a good movie? I'm going to say no, but I'm also going to tell you something. Never seen it. Yeah. Is it a white savior movie? It kind of feels like it. Yeah. Steve, are we going to have to do a Patreon episode of Jerry Maguire? I think we're going to have to, yeah. <laughs> this will be the one movie we're like, all right, fine, we'll start the Patreon just so we can talk about Jerry Maguire. Here's the one bit of information that I love about Jerry Maguire. Uh, there is this a collective of artists called Everything is Terrible, and mostly they take old like Christian educational videos and splice them into funny things. But they made an effort and went to every like thrift store, Goodwill, Valley Village, what have you, in America, and they bought literally thousands of copies of VHS tapes of Jerry Maguire and opened up a video <laughs> store that only sold, uh, only rented Jerry Maguire. This was like in 2012, and they just committed oh, back to win. Yeah. Back doing like pop up art exactly uh, installation type of thing. Yeah. Um and That's so a good idea. What 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 uh let's copy that idea, but mm-hmm. what VHS would you do? I think like when you go to thrift stores, mm-hmm. now you don't really see much VHS anymore, thrift stores. They just go straight to the dump. But there's there's a huge market now. Not huge, but there's a big market for collectors getting VHS tapes, like even like sealed tapes that like goes for like hundreds of dollars for some reason. Mm-hmm. So I would think, uh, hmm, like I see Titanic a lot. Titanic is a good one. Sure, that's a great, the double tape yeah. set. Hmm. Like I feel like everyone had Titanic, um, Jurassic Park. Yeah. That's a good movie. I feel like Pulp Fiction also a good movie, but that is another tape that everybody had. Yeah. The first Batman movie with Michael Keaton. Oh, yeah. That was a big seller. But Jerry, yeah, there's something about Jerry Maguire. What about like uh, Con Air? <laughs> That way, that maybe you're trying. You're trying too hard, right? If, if it's Con Air, yeah, maybe Face Off, maybe Face Off, right? True Lies. Ooh, is that a good movie? I wonder. Well, here's the thing: I want to watch it, but it doesn't stream anywhere because of I think rights issues or something like that. Oh yeah, and it's I don't think it's ever been available on Blu-ray. Hmm. I think DVD maybe, but so maybe VHS would be great because like, hey, we got all the VH copies. You want to watch True Lies? You come here. That's what it should be. We should rent VCRs and one VHS tape, and it should be a movie that's was on VHS, but you can never get on, like, it never went on DVD. Yeah. There's got to be something out there. Like Ghoulies 4. <laughs> Ghoulies 4. <laughs> what about, like, our video rental store is only sequels to great movies, but, like, the sequel itself is so inferior that, like, it's, embarrass- it's an embarrassment to watch or even have been made, like, for instance, Caddyshack 2. Yeah, Jaws 3D. Hey, take that back. Sorry. <laughs> like Jaws 3D. <laughs> Jaws 4? Jaws, yes, Jaws. I, there's to the point where like I've watched so many, all the Jaws sequels to the point where like 
they grew on me. Like they're still horrible, but they're fun to watch. It's like much like you're watching like a mystery science theater movie. Mm-hmm. But you're right. Jaws four, I think would go like none of the, but that's the thing is like the original actress from the first two Jaws movies does make an appearence hmm. or she's in the movie. I uh, forget her, but yeah. And Caddyshack two, of course, you know, there was like a jerk too, right? Oh yeah, that's true. I'd put that on the list. <laughs> yeah. Um, has everyone tuned out now? I think maybe. Uh, let's get back to the show. Uh, so, as the TV doctor, Doctor Phil, we were talking about forty-five minutes ago, dissolves in Homer's stomach. Homer tells Marge that he's committed to keeping her in his life, doing whatever it takes. He figures there must be some way to turn his condition into a positive for the community. He and Marge think for a moment, and then we cut to the homeless shelter. Mayor Quimby welcomes several houseless men, enticing them with warm beds, square meals, and homeless women. All of the men clamor inside except one who tells his dog, Blue, that he's unsure about the situation. So Blue the dog sniffs, not that Blue the dog, but Blue, uh, sniffs the shelter, <laughs> and then runs away in fear. Quimby forces the man inside the door, which has Homer's mouth on the other side, eating the vagabonds as they enter. In his body, one of the homeless men uh, comments how nice it is to be uh, indoors before presumably uh, dissolving in his acids. Steve, mm. you and the Simpsons are insensitive. It's called houseless individuals. I know. Okay. Also, solving the problem by eating them a little less than humane. Again, don't show Trump this episode. If he gets reelected, <laughs> he's going to use this idea. All these liberals want to eat the rich. I say we eat the poor. Literally. Yeah. Steve, let's just go to our second act, okay? All right. Our second story. It's a spooky story like the previous one. It's called You Gotta Know When to Golem. Begins at a taping of the Krusty the Clown show where the titular clown announces that the following Monday, the show will be broadcasted HDTV. Krusty then shows what he'll look like with a veiny forehead, bloodshot eyes, and wrinkles everywhere. Now, did this joke happen before that 30 Rock joke? The same joke? Oh, I think you're right. I think it did. Yeah. There's an episode of 30 Rock where all the characters go through an HD camera and like, I forget, but like Al Baldwin is like even more handsomer, right? In HD Mm -hmm. than Liz, Tina Fey looks like hag-ish, right? Yeah. And then when Kenneth played by, uh, (laughs) um, what's his name? Jack Jack McBrayer. Yeah. It walks by and he's a, he's a, he's a Muppet. Right, <laughs> right. I'm going to have to go back and rewatch Three Rock. Anyways, uh, the children in the audience all scream in terror. And as the show ends, everyone files out. But Bart stays behind to complain. His crusty brand alarm clock sprays acid in your face. He shows us to Mailhouse. And as Mailhouse wipes the acid away, he reminds Bart that he's already showed him that. Okay, that might be my favorite joke, too. It's a good joke. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bart walks backstage and finds the prop room. Inside, there's a jack-in-the-box with Crusty's head a giant pair of scissors, an astronaut suit with a tutu, and a clown-rested clown car <laughs> that all those, as Bart puts it, midgets drowned in. Bart, we say little people now. But- Anyways, Bart then sees a uh, towering figure made of clay wearing a Star of David necklace. Krusty walks in telling him that this is in a museum and then points to the Krusty Prop Museum, which costs $50, but only 49 for kids. And Krusty then explains what the giant statue is. Krusty, what's that monster? It's the Golem of Prague. Legendary defender of the Jewish people. Like Alan Dershowitz, but with a conscience. <laughs> I kid, Alan, we're friends. Anyway, back in the 1600s, 
A rabbi created this magic creature out of humble clay. The golem would perform any task that was written on a scroll and placed in its mouth. All right, Steve, open it up real quick. Ah. Uh, and I'm putting paper in your mouth. <laughs> fuck, fuck. Ugh. Gross. Ugh. Oh, you know, Steve, that wasn't paper. That was Arby's. Oh, no, being Rames is wrong. That's not meat at all. <laughs> um, so that golem is a lot like uh, the golem of three different silent film movies, uh, which were made in Germany and came out in 1915, 1917, and 1920. So is this the reference that the uh, Oktoberfest guys were talking about, what Germany did wrong was this movie, The Golem? Yeah, the horrible golem movies. <laughs> I think I first learned about golems. Wait, Lord of the Rings, yes, yes, we know. Yeah. No, no, um, there's a book called The Adventures of Cavalier and Clay uh, by Michael Chabon, I believe, uh, kind of about the origins of superheroes, and it's a really fun novel, but they mention uh, the uh, Jewish history of golems, and that's where I first learned about him. Uh, yeah, that's my nerd talk for the week. Well, Steve, you get to learn about golems in The Simpsons. Oh, boy. The uh, rabbi places a message in the golem's mouth, and it comes to life, walking to the door, kicking it open, and then brandishing a shotgun. <laughs> Opening fire at the mob outside. Uh, Krusty explains that the golem now works for him. And then after a bad stand-up set, uh, the crowd cheers Krusty. So he calls on his golem, who takes to the stage and begins uh, begins shooting unhappy audience members. I feel like they wouldn't do this joke now. <laughs> but yeah, because of all the uh, gunplay in our American culture. And then you don't want to give people ideas of uh, going to a comedy club. <laughs> which happens... Anyways, yeah, um, so Bart thinks for a moment and then writes on a piece of paper, come to my house at midnight. He then climbs up the golem and places a message in the creature's mouth. Krusty then dons a fly head in preparation for his desperate houseflies sketch in which he tries to seduce a sexy young garbage man. Knowing that the sketch is doomed to fail, Krusty states that he'll need a shoebox full of blow to recover from that dreck. That's kind of like how we end every podcast, too. It's like, we need a shoebox full of Coke. <laughs> so, listeners out there, holiday seasons are coming up. If you want to give us a present, we need a new shoebox. <laughs> but filled to the brim <laughs> with cocaine. Yeah. Make sure you address to our house, which is 1600 <laughs> Pennsylvania Avenue, Springfield, USA. That's right. Anyways, back at home, Bart eagerly awaits in his bed, watching as the clock turns to midnight. He looks at his door, hearing footsteps approaching. There's a loud groan, and Bart is excited. Unfortunately, it's just Homer who drunkenly tells his son that he passed out on Bart's turtle and killed it. Uh, there's been a reference to Bart having a turtle, right, and always getting killed? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Well, Homer's saying someday that uh, Bart will thank him. I mean, yeah, he's an adult. Like, God, I have to take care of that turtle for like my whole life. Because <laughs> turtles live forever. Anyways, just then the golem appears, which intoxicated Homer mistakes for a male house. And Bart writes a message to the golem and stuffs it into the uh, mouth, saying it's something he's wanted to do for a long time. We cut to the golem then kicking a giant hole in the wall, but Bart is disappointed. And so and this clip will explain why Bart is disappointed. And uh, continuing this clip, we'll hear. Uh, the golem at school with Bart. Can't you read my writing? I didn't say kick Homer's walls. What's going on? No! That's better. Yeah. 
Yo, Simpson, give us your lunch money. Mm, I don't think so. In fact, why don't you give me your lunch money? Well, who's gonna make us? That golem? No, my goal. Yes, him. I like uh, kick him in the balls. It's fun. He said walls. Yeah, it's a, it's a clever way to get past the censors. Censors, I think so. Yeah, very funny joke. And didn't last week in episode we watched Homer getting uh, hit in the balls with uh, a brick. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's our connection of the two episodes. Ball bashing. Ball bashing. I also like how the kid, the bullies point out to like the golem, <laughs> <laughs> and they're like they're, not amazed by it. They're just like, oh, Bart's got a golem. Yeah. Well, Jimbo is Jewish, right? That's true. So he knows about golems. Maybe he's taught Kearney and Dolph about them too. I think so, because they like probably sit around and teach each other things. Oh yeah, that's what bullies do, I assume. Talk about their feelings, yeah. <laughs> teach each other about their religious practices. I mean, that's what we did when we were bullies. Of course, yeah. We had the toughest bullies in town. <laughs> Beat people up if they didn't watch the latest episode of Seinfeld. <laughs> so Bart throws a note in the golem's mouth, and it grabs the bullies and tears off their heads, switching them around until they all fall to the ground. Bart is excited to have someone who will do whatever he says... And then, just then, Milhouse arrives saying that he shaved his head, just like Bart told him to. Bart tells Milhouse <laughs> to get lost, and he obliges, saying, yes, master. Then, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Didn't I, didn't I shave your head? Yes, master. And you said, yes, okay. <laughs> oh, no, Steve, you're the Milhouse, and I'm the Bart. Wow. I guess in that, in that scenario, I was. Yeah, I think we're both Milhouses, because Milhouse is this great yeah. thing who's... He's a nerd, but he's also dumb. Does that mean both of our dads is a Kirk Van Houten? <laughs> oh, my dad's kind of kind of was a Kirk. Not new Kirk though. No, no. My dad was just amazed by waterbeds. I I would I would just I would just love to see your dad alive like during the Trump presidency. <laughs> he probably would have like died during that like from heart like from <laughs> stress, right? Yeah, he just would have been like I can't do this anymore. Like, how many TVs would your dad have, like, broken just watching Trump on, on TV? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can only... <laughs> I can't assume that he'd be too excited about Biden either. Like, even though my dad would be like, this guy's too old. Well, didn't Biden, like, babysit your dad? <laughs> you know that might track. <laughs> but I was going to say, is like, you die, and let's say heaven exists, you die, and, and, like, you see your father, and you have a conversation, and... You, you explain, like, what's gone on in the world since then. Oh, yeah, in 2016, uh, Trump was president. And then, like, your dad sees everything that Trump said and did. And then your dad dies again in heaven. <laughs> it's like, oh, double angel. Cool. <laughs> ah. uh, so the headline of the Springfield Shopper reads, Bullies hospitalized. Nerds and dorks cautiously rejoice. And so, as the golem gives Bart a shave, Lisa walks into the kitchen, asking if Bart's mysterious Jewish monster beat up the bullies. Bart takes offense, saying, oh, it's always the Jews' fault. Uh, but Lisa believes that the golem is against harming others. To prove it, she uh, writes the word speak on a piece of paper and places it in the golem's mouth. <laughs> Finally, I can talk. This is the voice I've got. Sounds like I should be selling egg creams in Brighton Beach. That's what we call Jewish humor. You don't have to understand it, because the words sound funny. Meshuggah, Hilarious. Hello? Huh? It's funny, believe me. 
Do you feel bad about what you did? Of course I feel bad. My stomach feels like it's hosting the Chabad telethon. And Norm Crosby's going long. Kill the Tsar? Now that's an old one. Steve, that's uh, comedian great Richard Lewis. You can see him, of course, playing himself on Kirby Enthusiasm. And every time I see him, he looks so frail. And I'm afraid he's just going to die. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, with years of alcoholism. But he sounds so alive in this episode. I know. It's like this was, you know, what, like tw- almost 20 years ago. But yeah, it's funny how yeah. every time I see him on Curb, it's like, oh, you're worse than I remember. But every time. Yeah. And I feel bad. I'm like, this is it. I feel bad. He's going to be gone soon. I know that. And then but like yet, when uh, Super Dave passed away, it was like, oh. Yeah. A shock. Yeah. So he mentions an egg cream. And Steve, have you ever had an egg cream? I love an egg cream. If you don't know what an egg cream, it's a cold beverage consisting of milk, carbonated water, and flavored syrup, typically like chocolate or vanilla. It's a, a substitute for an ice cream float. So uh, despite the name, the drink... Contains neither egg nor cream, <laughs> so it's just a uh, it's just a carbonated milkshake essentially. Yeah, it's like an Italian soda kind of, but with chocolate and soda water, and yeah, it's delicious. You know, I've never had one. Well, I made up one for you, Craig. So have a sip. <laughs> oh no, Steve, that's your penis, and you're jacking off in my mouth. Well, it might not be egg cream, but it is <laughs> some cream. I mean, it's meant for eggs. There you go. Yeah. All right. Oh, boy. This was going to be the episode where Steve jizzed in my mouth. Yeah. You happy listeners. The Wolf Hair Won't Day finally commenced. <laughs> and, the, and it's the first time we're doing a video podcast live on Twitch <laughs> in front of the president. And our high school teachers? <laughs> oh, no. And our, our first crushes? Oh, what's our priest doing over there? Oh, wait. You know, he, he taught you that. Never mind. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Father Mahoney. And Richard Lewis. Oh, man, he looks worse. <laughs> That's Biden, Steve. Oh. I love an egg cream. It's the newest <laughs> craze that the kids are all drinking. I go to Coley Island, get myself an egg cream. Then I hop the train back to Scranton, where I'm secretly the Scranton Strangler. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> Everybody thought it was Tony. It's me. I saw. <laughs> yeah, we solved it, office ladies. You don't have to do the podcast anymore. Anyways, while Bart is watching TV in the living room, Homer asks him where his mud buddy is. Which, is that a term that, is that like a fuck buddy for gay guys? A mud buddy? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Ew. Uh, I, am I being canceled? Maybe, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, saying that, he has a little job for him. Homer then lets out a sinister laugh and we see the nefarious mission he has for the golem. It's an open pickle jar. <laughs> Part of Worms Homer that the golem was annoying him, so he sent it on an errand. The errand was to go to Springfield Elementary and turn Skinner into a human yo-yo, which the golem does. Super Nintendo Chalmers tell Skinner to let Gollum kill him already, and uh, Skinner points out that that was the Chalmers that he was talking about. Uh, the statue then swirls Seymour around, cutting him in half at the waist. After an angry Skinner... Gary uh, tells Skinner that he wishes that they had been closer. It's very sweet. He then tells uh, Willie to get rid of the body, and the groundskeeper says that Skinner will make a much better most than a man, and Skinner says that he may be bifurcated, but he still has feelings. 
I like Skinner using the big words. Mm-hmm. Well, later that evening, the golem paces around the Simpsons' dinner table, wrecked with guilt. He's mangled and maimed 37 people in a row. And he told a telemarketer he was busy when he wasn't. As the golem states that he's not a good man, Lisa remarks that he's awfully neurotic for a monster. Marge suggests that the cure to any man's problem is a good relationship. And as Lisa ponders this, Homer sarcastically says that getting a woman will surely end the golem's misery. Oh, that Homer's so sexist. Marge then writes a message for the golem, who picks up Homer by the ear. As Homer cries out in pain, Lisa (laughs) tells him to simply write a message to tell the golem to stop. But Homer says that writing is for nerds (laughs) before uh, crying out some more. Later... Bart and Lisa ha- uh, lead the golem to the backyard for a big surprise. You got a surprise for me? The surprise would be if I found some good live theater in this town. Then people could have some drinks, watch Fiddler. Very nice. Will you shut up? <gasps> Is she for me? Hanukkah came early this year. Which it sometimes does. Hello, everybody. (laughs) What's with this outfit? It looks like a lion ate a parrot and then threw up. (laughs) Well, back to the drawing board. No! What are you, nuts? She was made for me. I now pronounce you monster and whatever you are. Shayna Punham. Steve, that's, of course, hero to the stars. Yes. The mother of Hollywood herself. The goddess we call Fran Drescher. The star of Final Tap. Ooh, and the star of Stephen, my favorite Dan Aykroyd movie, Dr. Detroit. Oh, yes. Great movie. By the way, when I was watching Dr. Detroit... I was very smitten with Fran Drescher. I'm like, she is so attractive. I completely like in that movie. Like, and like, even now, you know, she's like in her mid sixties. Like, Fran Drescher still has it going for her. You know, again, I'm not objectifying her, but I literally am objectifying her. But I always found Fran Drescher to be very attractive. No, she is, and I think that like that joke about her being unattractive because of her nanny voice is just so unfair. Yeah, but was that the point of the show? Is like. She's super yeah. hot, but like, who cares <laughs> if about her voice? <laughs> Which means, ladies, it's all about the looks. However, Steve has something to say about my comment I just said. If you're a woman and you've got a voice, you've got a personality. I'm sorry, Steve. Do you have anything to say after that? Give me those mommy milkers, mommy. Okay, Steve. Okay, Steve. Huh. Oh. <laughs> I went too far, as I always do. But Steve, do you have anything classic to say that you haven't said maybe in like a few years? Kids and vodka. Yow. All right, Steve. Enough of you. <laughs> All right. Fred Drescher, the hero of Hollywood, as I call her. That's right. So the uh, monster's nuptials are interrupted by Chief Wiggum, who bursts into the temple, ready to arrest the golem for the murder of Seymour Skinner. The female golem, played by Fred Drescher, uh, states that they have a latka bar downstairs. And Clancy asks, like, what latkes are, and she states that they're pan-fried, and before she continue, uh, Wiggum just says, like, oh, pan-fried, let's drop the case. So the golem steps on a wine glass, and they live happily ever after. All right, Steve, let's go to our third and final 
tale this evening. It's called The Day the Earth Looks Stupid. And it begins, like all third acts of The Simpsons do, in Springfield, 1938, in a sepia town. So Apu sweeps the storefront of Quickie and Sons General Store, which advertises the Super Lotto jackpot of a whopping $18. People are lined up at the Salvation Army for a loaf of bread. And while in line, Carl doesn't understand what's so great about this depression, and Lenny likes how the uh, sepia tone makes him feel nostalgic. So Abe never thought it would come to this when he fought the First World War, which causes Lenny to wonder why he always refers to the First World War. Meanwhile, in this clip, Homer and Marge dance to the music on the radio when the broadcast is cut short. We interrupt this dance music from the Meridian Room in Capital City's fabulous Hotel Hitler to bring you a special bulletin. Hey, I'm not done dancing. This bulletin better swing. Reports are coming in of giant metal cylinders landing on the outskirts of major American cities. <laughs> cylinders? Astronomers say the ominous capsules originated from Earth's closest neighbor. Flanders? Mars. So, it's a war of the worlds. Good thing we got the sun on our side. Go ahead and hide, you coward! I'm in the small town of Grover's Mill, where a crowd is gathered around one of the strange Martian cylinders. It's opening. A tentacle is emerging. Settle down, children. Have a cigarette to calm your nerves. Oh, my stars. It's firing a beam of pure energy. It's burning people alive. That, of course, is uh, Maurice LaMarche playing Orson Welles. And as of that taping, uh, or as, as of this episode of The Simpsons, it's the third time he's played, he's done a War of the Worlds type invasion. Also, he did it in Animaniacs and Hey Arnold. Oh, yeah. He's famous for doing the Orson Welles voice. Even his Egon from the real Ghostbusters is very uh, Orson Wellesy. Yeah, and let's not forget Brain. Oh, well, Steve, I'm an 80s kid. I grew up with real Ghostbusters over Pinky the Brain. Already fine. Well, I <laughs> was a grown adult who watched cartoons. So. <laughs> That's true. So, I mean, I watched it as well. But yeah, it's uh, I love Maurice LaMarche. Uh, I saw this last Halloween, I went to uh, a live radio play of uh, War of the Worlds in front of, you know, like live performers. Oh, it, so, yeah. And, and I ran out of the theater screaming, like, oh my God, there's aliens coming. <laughs> It was like a kid in a wheelchair, and I threw him off, and I took the wheelchair so I could go faster off. <laughs> Rode like a skateboard. Uh-uh. Wee! Yeah. Wee! <laughs> no, that didn't happen. I need that to walk. <laughs> I, uh, I uh, just punched the kid <laughs> right away. Okay, never mind. Yeah. Oh, that's um, good. Yeah, I just love how uh, dumb Homer is, like, <laughs> with the sun being on their side, and... <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, it's fun. Uh, so... Uh, at most tavern, uh, the barkeep tells his patrons that they are under attack, and he plans to drive the Martians out like they did the Irish. Uh, Barty states that he's Irish, so Mo knocks him on his ass with a bat. Uh, Barty then realizes, "Oh wait, I'm actually Polish." Well, at the radio station, Orson Welles speaks of incredible devastation. He says that uh, the beings are grinding up the bodies of human beings when they see the foley artist using an egg beater in a bowl of cornflakes. So then Mr. Wells speaks of riding horses in the rain. And then the Foley artist makes clip-clop sounds using coconuts and a wooden plank while pouring water out of a can to simulate rain. Uh, I love Foley artists, by the way. They're great. 
And then Orson says that the aliens are playing a xylophone while bowling <laughs> near an airport. <laughs> and the foyard is just holds the sign that says, screw you, and walks out in anger. So funny. That might be my favorite joke. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Uh, Mr. Wells then introduces an orchestra before getting praise from his producer. Unbeknownst to him, chaos is ensuing on the streets of Springfield. Now, before we all die, one last selection from the Nathan Newley Orchestra. I'm young and healthy, and you've got charms. Gee, Mr. Wells, this sure is a swell show you're putting on for the folks. Well, I just hope our saucy little radio prank will give these folks, as you call them, a giggle, a gasp, and provide a good lead-in for Mrs. Amos and Andy. Burn everything! You know, Homer, we haven't actually seen these aliens. That's alien talk! Big Band Stew says 23 skidoo! Boom! We have nothing to fear but the aliens and their vastly superior killing technology. Boys, we have to assume our guns are useless. Throw them in the lake. Good. Now the police car. Wait, did you get my sweater out of the front seat? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, where is it? I'll go get it. I like uh, Stu. He's fun. It's great. I just love the... Uh... The killings of Homer does <laughs> just like shooting. Yeah, great. Shooting <laughs> Lenny just <laughs> cold blood. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of gunplay in this episode. Yeah. Uh, so as the people of Springfield panic, Marge offers an idea. Since the Martians are only killing humans, they should <laughs> pretend to be animals. That's a really out of the box thinking, Marge. Uh, so finding the idea to be ingenious, uh, Sideshow Mel suggests that everyone remove their clothes and wallow in filth. So men, women, and children all strip naked and wade in the mud, making the noises of various barnyard animals. Time passes, and the exhausted mob weekly continues to bark, meow, and bray, while posing on all fours, bare-ass naked, in their own filth. Lisa arrives on the scene, confused. What is everyone doing? We're outsmarting the Martians. Aw, Martians, you do know that radio broadcast was a hoax. Moo? Yeah, it was an Orson Welles radio play of War of the Worlds. See? I'm proud of what I achieved during my rioting. It was either kill him or kill no one. Ha ha ha, foolish earthlings. Now is the perfect time to strike. They'll think it's another hoax. Or Captain McAllister. (laughs) Uh, Well... Welcome to the episode, Lisa. Where were you this whole time? <laughs> well, Kodos switches their spacecraft sign from peaceful observation to attack. Uh, the townspeople of Springfield try to clean up their community. A flying saucer blasts the statue of Jebediah Springfield. Lisa tries to warn her father, but Homer is convinced it was just a radio show. Bart then points to the alien ship, which is zapping buildings left and right. Orson Welles goes to the police, begging them to understand that this is not the hoax. So in this clip, that threat gives um, the future director some inspiration, but there are more pressing matters at hand. Oh, yeah? Why don't I just punch you in the nose, bud? Nose, bud? Chief, you've got to alert the military. Fine, fine. I'll do it right now. U.S. Army, what's the threat? Uh, We've been invaded by a pompous radio ham. How's it feel when the hoax is on the other foot? I must admit, it's unpleasant. (laughs) (laughs) 
You fool. You've doomed us all. Ah, tell it to the great Gilderslave. Well, they didn't eat the skin. That's... that's healthy. Colonel King, your report? Uh, well, the Earthlings continue to resent our presence. You said we'd be greeted as liberators. Don't worry. We still have the people's hearts and minds. I don't know. I'm starting to think Operation Enduring Occupation was a bad idea. The Joker knows, bud. Like, so dumb. But made me laugh. It really is. <laughs> it did. Yeah. Why don't I put your nose, bud? Um, <laughs> and then Operation Enduring Freedom is, of course, a reference to the... What was the operation where we, after 9-11, bombed Iraq? Uh, yeah. It sounded a lot like Enduring Freedom. Operation... Was it Operate? Yeah, what was it? Anyways, it was a bad idea. And at this uh, time, it was probably kind of a bold take. Right, right, right. But the Simpsons have always been pretty uh, bold taking of their uh, own. Yeah, anyway. Mission accomplished. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, Kodo states that they had to invade since people were working on weapons of mass disintegration. Again, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, Kang agrees, and they look at the destroyed city as the ink spots, I don't want to set the world on fire plays, offering some biting uh, commentary on the U.S.'s invasion of the Middle East at the time. And uh, that's our episode. <laughs> it's funny when the ink spots, I don't want to set the world on fire, so I was playing and I'm like, where have I just heard this recently? Like, it was just stuck into my mind. Like, I have, I saw something like a movie or TV show, and I was thinking, well, you know, because this episode played ad nauseum, during the Halloween season, so maybe I was thinking of this, but I was like, no, it wasn't that. I was like, was it the end of Oppenheimer? Was this song in the end of Oppenheimer? Like, <laughs> like I could see this being the end of Oppenheimer. Like, I don't want to set the world oh, yeah. on fire. I was like, is that what it was? But it wasn't. I was. I did the research, um, just like I do the research for all of, like, you know, vaccines and stuff like that uh, on the internet. Sure. And it was from uh, the opening of Star Trek Picard season three. So I'm like, oh, that's what it's because I recently had watched that. So I was like, okay, that's where it was from. But like, I'm thinking it should have been in Oppenheimer. Because <laughs> I do believe that it is at the end of Fallout 3. It's in the end of like all the Fallout uh, games, I guess. And then I started playing the opening thing on, on, on the guitar just for fun. And then Heather's like, which ink spots are you, song are you, you playing on the guitar? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, She's like, every song pretty much starts out that way. And then I went to like YouTube and did a deep dive on the ink spots. And yeah, like half their songs start out that way. That's really funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, Steve, that was a, a lot of fun. Some spooks were had, I think, in this episode. I think um, our, our pants are wet. Um, that's because Fran Drescher, of mm -hmm. course. Uh, of course. Uh, Steve, I need to dry off my pants. <laughs> what? Sorry, Richard. Your vagina voice? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Richard Lewis did it for us, too. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Steve, I think we need to calm down, regroup, come back, so. and uh, finally uh, discuss how we felt about this episode. Okay, let's take a break. Sounds good. We'll be right back. I don't want to set the world on fire I 
just want to start a flame in your heart. All righty, listeners, we're back. Let's wrap up Treehouse of Horse 17, shall we? We'll talk about some of our favorite scenes, some jokes, maybe a most valuable jokester. We'll rank the uh, segments in order. I think from one to three, one being the best, three being the least best. Not saying that's bad. It's probably good. And then all in all, we thought uh, how this Treehouse of Horror bodes well with the other Treehouse of Horrors that we've seen, all 34 of them. We won't like go by each Treehouse of Horror. That would take too long. <laughs> yeah. Then we'll find out what we're watching next week. But before we do all that, it is the gift-giving season. And I know we are in the Treehouse of Horror episode. But hey, you can start giving gifts out during Halloween. I mean, we give candy to kids. Why can't we start giving Halloween presents? So, Steve, yeah, for this Halloween, I'm going to give you a present. Something from this episode that I think you would really enjoy. It's from the uh, the very beginning of this episode. No, it's not an Iron Maiden. Aww. But it's a it's a coffin. And if you just open the coffin real quick, there's a couple surprises. Uh, so out jumps the mice. It's birds. Oh. oh. <laughs> well, first there was oh, yeah. mice, then snakes, then bunnies, and now Mr. Burns. No, Steve, that's not Mr. Burns. That's Richard Lewis. The Crypt Keeper himself. <laughs> uh, so, so Merry Halloween. Why, thank you, Craig. I got you a gift as well. From this episode, why it's none other than a glowing green glob of goo that you can eat. Mm. Um. Uh, gross. Steve, tastes like Mountain Dew. Oh. Oh, wait, that was Mountain Dew. <laughs> oh, yeah, green sorry. Mmm, <laughs> oh, much better. Tastes like crab juice. <laughs> now you can enjoy your eating and your pooping. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, Steve. We got the yuck out of the way. Let's get into the serious seriouses. Steve, mm-hmm. before you get to your favorite segments, what was a joke or MVJ in this episode that made you really, really laugh it up? Uh, there's quite a few in this episode. Um, I like uh, Homer selling Wiggum and Outhouse and saying it's the Taj Mahal. Uh, the Gollum's a lot of fun, but I think my favorite joke is the Foley artist uh, getting pissed <laughs> at Orson Welles for... Him, like, saying about the xylophone and all of that, and just holding up a sense to screw you and then walking off. I like that a lot. Yeah, I think the three jokes from this episode, one from each segment, the top jokes from the first segment with the blob, I still think that the Dr. Phil saying, Homer, don't sell me an outhouse called Taj Mahal, and just Wiggum jumping in and saying, yeah, Homer, stop doing that. It's just so funny to me. Just just the concept of that is hilarious. And, and then the second segment of the Golem one, is definitely when Bart says to Mel, I was like, yeah, and his thing squirts acid at him. And Mel is like, stop showing me that. You already did that. Very funny. And then, like you said, the Foley artist at the end. So those are the top three jokes from each segment. Um, it's tough to say which number one was. Uh, I'm not going to because okay. they're all equally great, in my opinion, for the jokes. But when it comes to segments, we always like to rank them. Steve, you had the order of one, two, and three, one being... Marriage to the Blob, the uh, second one being the uh, Golem, and the third one being uh, War of the Worlds. Where do you rank these, in your opinion, of segments? I think they're all really solid. I don't 
dislike any of them, but if I had to rank them, and I guess I have to, I would say my number three, my least favorite, is probably the Gollum episode, or the Gollum segment. My number two is Married to the Blob, and my number one, my favorite one, is The Day the Earth Looks Stupid, the War of the Worlds segment. What about you? Yeah, that's... It's tough because I feel like these segments are all equally great. And we're also, I'm also kind of basing this episode off of the most recent Treehouse of Horror that we reviewed, which was uh, Treehouse of Horror 34. Mm-hmm. And huh, it's tough. I'm going to have to say, yeah, War of the Worlds is great. Hmm. I think I might agree with you. I think he goes 3 1. Wait, you said 3 2 1? 3 1 2. Yeah, no, I'm going to have to agree with you. I think it's 3 1 2. Now, if I put him next to season 34's Triassic 4, or Triassic 4 34, I don't think it was as good as the newest Triassic 4. Yeah, you're probably right. But this one had a lot of fun violence, and I think Triassic 4 should have lots of gory, bloody violence. Now, there wasn't a lot of blood. There was a lot of gunplay. Needed more blood. It's true. Uh, but... But yeah, it was fun. Steve, all in all, what do you think, like, how does this rank to you? Because we were kind of skeptical because, uh, what, season 18, we're a little nervous about these kind of seasons. But uh, where does this kind of rank in your, just don't, you know, off the, just off the top of your head, how does it feel to you? Like, is it, you know, I guess, yeah, rank it in general if you want to or review it. That's what we do. I forget how we do this podcast. That sounds about right. I think we do that. We talk about the episode. Um, <laughs> I think this was really, we do, wait, wait. We're supposed to talk about the episode? We never... Oh, yeah, I guess. No. Let's talk more about pooping. and Yeah, come. <laughs> this was a really interesting episode because I was kind of skeptical because I think season 18 is kind of the time when, you know, we in real life kind of stepped away from watching The Simpsons on a regular basis. And a lot of fans kind of felt like it was kind of not as good as it was. But I feel like the all three segments feel very classic, um, both with the source material, you know, going with the blob, an ancient Gollum story, and then War of the Worlds. These are, like, classic tropes that the Trios 4 is best known for. Also, it's a bold move to have two stories that are about aliens, in a way, because the first one is kind of like a space alien lands on Earth. The second one's about War of the Worlds. But also, they referenced World War II in all three of them. Um, in the first one, they're talking about the Germans and what they did course Gollum and he talks about the war and so that's interesting but I think each story is individual and fun even though the Gollum episode is probably my weakest of the three I still think it's pretty good I think using uh, Fran Drescher and Richard Lewis is a it's a fun move and I think they could have done more with it maybe but I, I liked what they did with it I I think this is a good episode all in all like I think that the the star of the show for me is the War of the Worlds. I think that uh, having Orson Welles there and the, the dumb uh, nosebud joke and uh, just them shooting in the sky to try and kill the aliens and then getting naked and wallowing in the mud to trick the aliens is this such silly fun. And I, I think it's great. And I really like uh, Sir Mix-a-Lot doing the song. So all in all, this is a quality episode for me where it compares to other Treehouse of Horrors, that's where you get in some trouble because both in Classic Simpsons and as of late, we've had some really good episodes, so it's hard to compete with that. But I do think that this is a solid showing for a Treehouse of Horror, so maybe not my top 10, but probably my top 20 of the 34. 
uh, that I can recall off the top of my head. So, uh, as we saw in the third segment, the tree, the uh, Grand Lotto Prize for 1938 was 18 whopping dollars. So I'm going to give this a 15 out of 18. What do you think, Greg? I think you're right. This is a very solid Trios of War entry, and I think it does go up with like I would put this over maybe seasons 12 and 13. The parodies were great. Timeless parodies, too. And it's, it's surprising that we got to season 18 without a War of the Worlds type of parody. And yeah. a Blob parody, which is a classic. And it's nice, like, also us uh, Gentiles don't really know a lot of, like, Jewish history. So it's great to see something from the Jewish perspective uh, mm-hmm. to be incorporated into the story. And I thought that was great. And I think you're right about we're at that age when this is when this came out. And we've learned in the past that during this time period, a lot of the big writers and creative, funny uh, Simpsons people were off working on the Simpsons movie. And so a lot of those seasons felt the quality wasn't as great because they were working on the Simpsons movie. They, that was like their attention. So we're coming like a few months before the Simpsons premiere, movie premiere. But I think this episode, you know, greatly shows like some classic Simpsons, Simpsons influence. And that, of course, with the writer only, you know, it was a, it was a hired gun, right? Peter Gaffney. They were just like, we're too busy to write Simpsons Treehouse of Four. You do it because we're too busy doing the movie. And I think he did a great job with this episode. And yeah, this definitely would rank higher than a lot of like the post-Golden Age. Like even, you know, season 10 to 17 maybe, I guess. This was a good episode. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, if I'm going to give this uh, a ranking, though. Well, let's see. I, I talk uh, politically about uh, the love of my life, Fran Drescher. Mm-hmm. In this episode, so if I'm gonna rank this episode out of, uh, let's say a, a a Fran Drescher film, of course, the nanny being her number one, like that's the biggest thing she's ever done, right? Right. And we talked about her cameo in Spinal Tap; it's great. But this, if this is a Fran Drescher piece, look, UHF probably my favorite Fran Drescher appearance of all time. Doctor Detroit again, fell in love with her in that movie, but uh, you know she provides the voice in uh, those Hotel Transylvania movies, too, you know? Oh. I mean, her worst film probably would be Jack. Sorry, Jack. Not a good movie with uh, Robin Williams. So, out of all those movies, this Trios of Horror is very much the beautician and the beast of Frenchman's. I was waiting for that. <laughs> Starring my favorite James Bond, Timothy Dalton. Couldn't agree more. Don't forget our Patreon. Once it comes out, we're going to be reviewing uh, Jerry Maguire and Beautician and the Beast. <laughs> Steve, I kind of—I've never seen Beautician and the Beast. Let's let's watch it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's great. <laughs> let's look up the old Run Tomato scores of it. Uh, hey, let's not. We'll save that for Patreon. Oh yeah. All right, Steve. Uh, had fun watching this horrific episode because it's three out of four. But mm-hmm. good news, Steve. We're going back on track this week. We're going back to a new episode. So no Wheel of Random for us. We're going back to Simpsons New, Season 35, Episode 8. Steve, what do you think the title of that episode is? Uh, Well, let's see. We're in the holiday season, but it's a little early for Christmas. But, you know, all this Gollum talk has made me wonder, maybe there are other uh, folks of the Hebrew faith in Springfield so I'm going to say that the next episode is called Disco Jew. I, I'd watch that episode, but sadly, Steve, it's not Disco Jew. <laughs> and oddly sounds very 
very racist for some reason. I know, and I don't mean it to, but you're right. It does. <laughs> no, Steve, let's see if I pronounce this correctly. Is it I.E. Bonnie Romance or is it A.E. Bonnie Romance? I think you got it right the first time there. A.E. Bonnie Romance. That's my Scottish. But right. this is how I get my Scottish. I need a fucking hit. One more hit. I.E. Bonnie Romance. Right. I just have to get into like train spotting mode. Then I can speak <laughs> Scottish. French. Uh, B. Steve, we need to watch train spotting. Yeah. We're the Patreon. Because I, I, I still haven't seen T2. Train spotting 2. Me not either. Terminator 2. Which, it'd be fun to watch Trains, Train <laughs> Terminator 2 again. But, uh, no, Steve, what do you think I Bony Romance is about? I think I butchered it enough. Um, well, I gotta assume that it's about <laughs> everybody's favorite Scotsman, Groundskeep for Willie. Ah, uh-huh. they're gonna say Peter Capaldi. <laughs> the Doctor. And, and, you know, they're talking about a romance, and, like, the only romance that I know is a bad romance. So I'm gonna say that, uh... <laughs> Lady Gaga makes her triumphant return to Springfield <laughs> and to this podcast. Finally. Uh, strikes over. Right. Lady Gaga, Stephanie, you can come on the podcast. Yep. You can promote Joker 2. You can uh, talk to us about the, your first appearance. But yeah, I think that uh, Housekeeper Willie discovers the music of Lady Gaga <laughs> and falls deeply in love. Well, Steve, you're not far off. When Lady Gaga is kidnapped to Scotland, no, <laughs> when groundskeeper Willie is kidnapped to Scotland, Bart and the Simpsons follow. All these to be faced with Homer's worst nightmare. Ooh, is there like no beer in Scotland? <laughs> is that his worst nightmare? Pretty sure there's beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Scots like to drink. So it sounds like the Simpsons are going to Scotland, which Homer's been before. Mm-hmm. Of course, I'm referencing uh, when they went to go kidnap the Loch Ness monster. Um, mm-hmm. Will they make a joke of the Simpsons are going to Scotland in this episode? What are the odds? What are the over and under? Can we take bets in Vegas for this? I think so. I think there's like a one in five chance they'll do that. But will the Simpsons do it or will someone make it? Like, will Willie say, aye, the Simpsons are going to Scotland? I, yeah, I think it'll be Willie. All right. Well, we should we should put bets here. Maybe it'll be Maggie. Maybe her first words will be, suck, suck, and the parentheses, the Simpsons are going to Scotland. <laughs> no, that's kind of funny. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but hey, uh, we're excited to go to Scotland. Steve, do you think we should just get some tickets, some train tickets maybe, and, and take the train to Scotland and record the episode there? I think so, yeah. It's a bit of a train ride, but... <laughs> I hope it's not a train wreck, am I right? Yeah, I don't like Amy Schumer. <laughs> What's that? Oh, I think just that. I thought you were just commenting. <laughs> You're like not even listening <laughs> to me. You're just like, I don't like Amy Schumer. <laughs> That's going to be your new thing. Just go to, like, strangers on the street. Like, I don't like Amy Schumer. No. Okay, sir. This is a Wendy's, and we agree. I mean, yeah. Steve, we need to end this right now before uh, Fran Drescher has us killed. Uh, Yes, but before we go, we want to say thank you for listening, and uh, we want to hear from you. You can reach us on the socials at 13Simpsons, like on Instagram or YouTube, and you can always email us at 13Simpsons at gmail.com. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast you listen to this on. Service, podcast service. Leave us five stars or the equivalent, but you don't have to write a real review. Just uh, let us know your favorite Fran Drescher film or television show. That's that's right. And hey, if you want, uh, you know, it's the holiday season. If you want to find a great present for your friends or your enemies or your coworkers that you secretly have crush on, 
Uh, you can go to tpublic.com slash user slash Annoyed Grunt Boys and get yourself some cool Annoyed Grunt Boys gear like some t-shirts or a mouse pad or a sticker. That's right. And contact us with your voice. Go to the podcasting app. Scroll through the show's notes. There'll be a little button that says leave a voicemail. That's the easiest way to contact us. You don't have to type. Your fingers are made for uh, thinking, not typing. So use your mouth the way mother intended it, by talking to us. Yeah. <laughs> We have a voicemail is what we're trying to say. All right, Steve. For this week, I've been annoyed grunt boy Craig. And I've been annoyed grunt boy Steve. And remember, the right nipple spike seems a little dull. We have nothing to fear but the aliens and their vastly superior killing technology. Listening to you two is more torture than a torture.